This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Time can feel like it's in short supply. Between work, family, and friends, there's very little time left just for you. What would you do with an extra hour in your day? What's important to you? Therapy can help you find what matters to you so that you can do more of it. It's a great way to increase self-awareness, build a greater sense of purpose, deal with overthinking, and more. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online and designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash be here now today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash be here now. everyone, this is Chris Grasso with the Indie Spirituals Podcast on the MindPod Network. I'm very excited to have my guest with me today, Locke Kelly. And before we get started, I'll just tell you a little bit about Locke. He has his Master's of Divinity, and he is a licensed clinical social worker and is the author of Shift into Freedom, the Science and Practice of Open-Hearted Awareness. He is an educator, licensed psychotherapist, and recognized leader in the field of non-dual meditation who is... Asked to teach Sutra Mahamudra by Mingyur Rinpoche and non-dual meditation by Adyashanti. Locke has worked in community mental health, established homeless shelters, and counseled family members of 9-11. He is the founder of the nonprofit Open-Hearted Awareness Institute. Locke collaborates with neuroscientists at Yale, UPenn, and NYU to study how awareness training can enhance compassion and well-being. And you can visit Locke and find out more about his work at LockKelly.org. Locke, thank you so much for being with me today. Chris, it's great to be here. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks. And I'll just note really quick, I know you're aware, but I'll let listeners know, I've been going through this cold for a few weeks now. So my apologies ahead of time to any listeners if uh, I'm a bit foggy headed. So if I drop the ball on anything in your bio, I apologize. But no problem. um, I'm really excited to have this conversation with you. So thanks again for your time. Thank you, Chris. Yes. So I wanted to jump right in and and I'm going to read a description of your book that I thought really uh, sums it up nicely. And then from there, we can dive in and start exploring its finer points. Okay. So um, what I read was the unique premise of this book is that well-being is not found by calming the mind, changing our thoughts or adjusting our attitudes, but by actual sh- actually shifting into a level of mind that is already calm and alert. That awakening and living from open-hearted awareness is the next stage of human development, helping you discover how to live a fully intimate human life. I love that. And like I said, I thought that was a great jumping off point to give a yes. a nice overview. And for anyone who'll be watching this video, here's the book. It's a really wonderful read. So, you know, I know that's kind of a, a broad opening, but let's jump in from there. And if you want to talk oh. about the overview of the book. Yes, sure. Well, uh, I was fortunate to go to uh, India and Sri Lanka and Nepal uh, after graduate school and at that time, I studied both uh, 
mindfulness in the Theravada tradition, mm -hmm. and then was able to go up to Nepal, where I met uh, Toko Ergen Rinpoche, mm -hmm. who's a uh, Dzogchen and Mahamudra teacher. Mm -hmm. And after a few minutes, he was able to point me in a way to move my own awareness in a direction that it usually doesn't go. Mm -hmm. So it turned around or let go of its usual way of uh, looking out or being attached to my thinking, and uh, then opened to discover a kind of an awake, calm, alert presence that I had known in glimpses just from walking in nature, from playing sports even, from uh, being in kind of a flow state at different times, being in love. Uh, there moments of this like, oh, everything's okay, I'm okay, I'm feeling interconnected with everyone, I feel alert and alive. And it just stunned me that it was, it didn't require uh, building of a repertoire of um, practices, mm. but that it, as he had uh, said, it, it's already here. Mm. Mm. Yeah. And so... Another one of your teachers uh, who talks quite a bit about non-dual uh, awakening is Adyashanti, and yes. I, he's a very beloved teacher. He's been, yes. you know, very important in my life as well. His work. So, okay. yep. can you talk a little bit about studying and learning from him, and, and what you took away from yep. that as well? I mean, in some ways, uh, by the time we met, we were pretty much colleagues. Okay. So I had had a. a a friend of mine who was a another teacher who we would dialogue a lot, but we'd have a little difference. And she came to me and she said, Locke, I found someone who talks just like you. And I said, really? He said, yeah, here's this little book. I thought it was written by you. It's, you know, the guy just says the same things in the same way. And it was Adi Shanti's Impact of Awakening. Mm. Uh, and I immediately went, oh my God, this is amazing. And kind of went out to California and uh, sat with him and then met met him. And then we started, you know, kind of immediately uh, becoming friends. And he, you know, is just such an inspiration and in that he's uh, a model of someone who, um, you know, is contemporary person and bringing kind of the Dharma into uh, a contemporary, you know, modern form without a lot of the extras and trying to help people uh, awaken, not just, um, you know, have the stress management part of meditation, but really say that, you know, awakening is possible and let's talk about it. Right. And I appreciate your approach as well. It is, like you said, it's very similar. And, and yep. I feel you both offered in a way where it's accessible to pretty yep. much anyone. Um, yep. I, that's what I really appreciated about your book, because I personally um, have a lot of respect for for interfaith and and the yes. great wisdom traditions. However, yeah. I also know a lot of people that get very turned off by the idea of gods or you know whoever, whether it's Christ, Krishna, and yeah. and I honor that. That's that's their thing. But I felt I feel like this book can significantly benefit anyone either side of yes. the, the tracks with that. And, yes. And no yeah. matter what you do, it's going to slip in there at times. It's just yeah. the nature of awakening. But I think you did a really great job. Um, was that something you consciously did or is it just how you teach? It's just naturally what what comes out for you. 
Yeah, I mean, it's naturally what I discovered, and then it was conscious that I wrote about it because, just as you just said, I felt like, um, you know, whether you're religious or non-religious, this is a natural, this is our natural condition. Right. That when I discovered it, it wasn't based on belief. When I had this glimpse, when I had this realization, uh, I didn't have to prepare for it, and it didn't show me a particular philosophy, even in its uh, direct experience. Right. So in the direct experience, I felt like, well, wait a minute, this is, anybody can approach it any way they want, and do as many or any preparation of prayer, meditation, yoga, in order to calm or center or align themselves with whatever, wherever they are. However, at that point, whether you do that or you do nothing, there's a moment of letting go. There's a moment of surrender. There's a moment of what I'm calling shifting mm. of awareness that then you go beyond belief. And by going beyond belief, you actually are coming home to uh, an inherent awareness that's already awake. Mm. And not only is it uh, pure awareness, but it it has kind of from there the natural qualities that you would see in in kind of a playful child you know kind of a joy and love and you know less reactivity are available i love that you just said that i was <laughs> doing a podcast with krishna das not too long ago yeah. a wonderful kirtan musician and yeah. and i had mentioned you know that i would have like times where i felt good about it because i felt like i was anchoring in but he's like but even that's not it. You need to lose yourself like a child yeah. who is playing. Yeah. And, oh, and, that's beautiful. Yeah, yeah and, it, and it really, I was like, wow, <laughs> yeah, it makes perfect sense. It's a very <laughs> a very tricky process, a lot of subtleties yes. to it. But, that's right, that's um, right. So what I wanted to do was read one of a few excerpts from your okay. book that I will throw out our conversation. Um, and it'll just take me one moment to pull this up. And this is from, I believe, the preface... Or no, I, I apologize. Chapter one, it looks like being home while returning home. Yes. And let me see. Okay, so it's it's about a page or so that I'm going to okay. share, and then we'll uh, dive into it further from there. And right. so you write, uh, "Awareness is awake," is how this is uh, titled. When our basic awareness is revealed to be the foundation of both how we know and who we are, we can call it awake awareness. Discovering awake awareness is key to the transformation of consciousness called awakening that leads to our ability to live from freedom, well-being, and loving connection. Awakening is a shift of our identity and also a shift of our way of knowing. Awake awareness is the essence of both our ground of being and the source of our mind. This transformation is a simple shift of awake awareness from the background of our consciousness to the foreground. Because we're in the habit of focusing on fast-moving thoughts and strong emotions and of seeking happiness outside ourselves, we don't notice awake awareness. Our current constellation of consciousness restricts our perception of our wholeness. Awakening does not begin by changing our belief system or improving our external circumstances. Awakening begins with shifting out of the way we organize our current mind and identity which is creating ignorance and confusion. We can learn how to shift out of our thought-based mind and into an awareness-based way of knowing. Then, from awareness-based knowing, we can embody, connect, and welcome all experience. 
The feeling of embodied, awareness-based knowing is similar to being in a flow state, being in the zone, being in love, doing selfless service, or laughing with close friends. It is being so fully alive in the now that you forget yourself. Living from awareness-based knowing gives us true freedom of choice. Awake awareness is invisible, contentless, formless, boundless, and timeless, but it is the ground of our being. When you shift out of your conventional sense of self, there is a gap of not knowing. Awake awareness is who we are prior to the personal conditioning we usually turn to for our identity. Rather than looking to our thoughts, memories, personality, or roles to identify ourselves, we learn to know awake awareness as the primary dimension of who we are, the ground of our being. Then, with unconditioned awake awareness as the foundation of identity, we can include our conditioned thoughts, emotions, and sensations as waves of the ocean of our life. When people feel awake awareness as their primary dimensions of consciousness, they report feeling an essential well-being that is free, loving, and safe. Awake awareness as the ground of being is the same in all of us, and our individuality arises out of it. So that covers a little bit of what we've already talked about, but yes. that in that you know page and a quarter, it just says so much. Um, yes, and and yeah. I love that. So I thought you know just by by reading a little bit of that, I would I wanted first of all to offer a little something to our listeners from your book. But yeah. you know, if you want to use that as a jumping off point to just elaborate a bit further on what I just read, that would be wonderful. Yes. <clears throat> so yeah, I guess the first uh, point to talk about is. Um, that there is something that's often called spirit or the Tao or um, something invisible, a power greater than ourselves, mm. something that is not a thing, mm. something that's invisible and yet intelligent or wise, Right. <clears throat> that is both not exactly who we are, but not other than who we are. And that movement, learning how to step out of thought-based and doing-based identity into this transcendent, uh, pure awareness uh, is one of the most important um, shifts that's, that's possible to learn fairly easily. But then often what happens is people make that the goal. As if right. the transcendent is the goal, and we're supposed to live in a cave and uh, or in a monastery where we're kind of uh, have left the world. Mm. Whereas, really, that's an important um, first strong uh, dimension to recognize as our ground. But then, we what we do is we realize from there as the ground that our personality, our thoughts, our feelings, our conditioning, uh, the world, our relationship is is included and also kind of arising out of that invisible, the visible person that we are and the people we're with are none other than that hmm. uh, ground. And so that's, you know, that's kind of what, you know, when Hindus say namaste, they're bowing to that invisible spirit that's the same in each of us. Right. Um, or when the Buddhists say uh, <clears throat> form is emptiness, it doesn't end there. Then they say, and then emptiness is form. Right. So, so those two movements um, 
are possible intentionally. And I guess that's the third point is there's an intentional way to do that. Uh, so many of the direct practice tradition uh, talk about kind of what I call a resting method, mm. which is, you know, more like shikantaza or do nothing, resting, letting be, mm. which is one primary way to realize. Mm. But the other method is more of an inquiry method or a looking method. Right. And that's that's really what I'm uh, teaching and have found that worked for me. And that is a way of immediately moving or unhooking or dropping or having the mind look to the mind, awareness look to awareness, and realize it's already been who we've already been. Mm. Uh, and then uh, <clears throat> and then there's the, the initial doer has let go, but there's still kind of this dance of the formlessness and form uh, that uh, is possible. Um, for people to learn just as easily and with as much or as little time as you would learn uh, basic mindfulness meditation. Mm. And that's very important, too, because yeah. I've fallen into this trap myself, and I've talked with many people that have, uh, where you start to learn about the transcendent aspect, and you start yes. to have these nice experiences of yes. meditation or a nature mystic or mysticism experience, yeah. and yeah. you start to think that's the goal. But like yes. you said, the dance is integrating, and the non-dual yes. teaching is that it's it's non-dual. You know, it's That's not, not one two. side, right? Exactly. That's right. Yeah. So you're making yeah. me think of uh, Nagarjuna as two truths. Yes. You know, same yeah, yeah. thing. And that's right. So, can you talk just a little more about how can those that maybe are stuck um, learn to integrate both the the manifest and unmanifest part of what's happening yes. in life. What, what would you yeah. say to that? So, so what I would say is, is in some ways the answer kind of to all questions about, you know, what do I do in this situation or how do I do this? Or let me is, is really to learn to do it. Hmm. In other words, it's, it's in, in that what you read is kind of what I call the view, what's often called the view, or sometimes what I call the premise or the hypothesis. Right. So it's almost like in the contemporary world, we're using scientific metaphors. to. So the hypothesis is awake awareness is already here. Yeah. It's inherent within. It's available, equally available to each of us as each of us. And you can intentionally, within moments, glimpse it and then shift so that it becomes your foundation. Now, that's just a hypothesis. It's not meant to be believed. It's just like, okay, now, what's the, what are the experiments? So then we have to do, you know, immediately leave philosophy yeah. and, and go to direct experience uh, of learning these series. And I've... I've you know, both write about them in the book. And then I have what I think is even a more powerful tool is the, the audio, um, right. which, cause you can read a meditation, but the audio will lead you through and they're all like three minutes to seven minutes right. long, but, and they build on each other. So you actually get to, uh, experience, um, for yourself. And, you know, I kind of take people step by step so you learn to unhook awareness from thought, have it move to one of your senses, and then have it open or drop into a pure awareness. And then the key move is 
uh, as you said before, we kind of feel at first like, oh, I'm having this experience, this meditative experience of pure awareness. So the inquiry at that point is, are you having an experience of spacious awareness or are you the spacious awareness to which thoughts, feelings, and sensations that you were calling me are now occurring? Hmm. So it's, it's, it's in that flip that the ground, you realize, oh, that's, that's not an experience. That's the ground. That's me. Right. <laughs> and, and I'm so glad you mentioned the audiobook because I, I, my apologies yeah. for not mentioning that. I uh, have that as well. And that yeah. has been a perfect compliment because like you said, I appreciate when I read books and they offer meditations and whatnot. And yeah. I do that in my own books. Yeah. However, it is the audio that truly makes a difference. And yeah. of course, people can sit down and, and record their own voice if they want to. But, yeah. but your program, uh, it, it's chock full of everything you talk about. So um, I highly recommend anyone who's interested in the book absolutely get that audio as well. It's a perfect compliment. And yes. so Good. while we're, we're talking about awake awareness um, yeah. and, and as you know, it's readily accessible as our natural state of being at any given moment. Um, but it's difficult for people to recognize this experience. Um, and again, myself included, it, it's, it, yeah. it can be yeah. tough. So there is another excerpt that I wanted to read for listeners. Okay. And then we can discuss, you know, that yeah. awake awareness is not an it, you know, which you talk about yes. in the book. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> but, but if it's something that's so natural, why is it so difficult to understand? Yes. So let me just briefly okay, read good. another excerpt <clears throat> for you okay. or for Thank listeners. You. This, uh, this one reads, many of us have tried to find awake awareness. We've tried to earn it through good deeds, achieve it through meditation, or pray that it will be granted. Some believe that it is available only to the highly evolved. Others believe it only appears through luck or a kind of, uh, sorry, a kind of grace that is given, that is either given to us or absent from our lives. When the obscuration of ego identification dissolves, it can seem as if grace or awake awareness had been absent and then newly arrives from somewhere else. What if awake awareness is not earned by good deeds or given only to a fortunate few? What if awake awareness is not missing and does not come and go? What if awake awareness is always already here, inherent within each of us? We can learn to become grace prone by becoming familiar with opening to the grace that's always here within and around us. Many people get caught in the trap of focusing only on manifestations of the invisible awareness. These kinds of manifestations include light, energy, rapture, bliss, external success, charisma, an inner voice, visions, or stillness. These manifestations are real, but they are only transitional meditation effects. They are not awake awareness itself. Positive energetic expressions can be preliminary stepping stones or doorways to awake awareness. We can also get caught up in focusing on positive manifestations in the world as our goal. But if we don't recognize awake awareness as the unmanifest source of all manifestations, the positive manifestations can seduce us into believing external things that come and go are the source of our happiness. When we are happy with the cause, we are free to make choices that benefit ourselves and others. Many who have longed and strived to know awake awareness have missed it, not because they lack desire or commitment, but because they didn't know where to look or how to look within. One reason we can't find it, see it, or understand it is because awake awareness is not an it. 
awake awareness is not an object or thing that can be seen, heard, touched, smelled, or tasted. It isn't a thought, an emotion, image, belief, sensation, or even energy. The Zen tradition says, to seek mind with the discriminating mind is the greatest of all mistakes. Neither the five senses, the thinking mind, the ego, the will, the imagination, nor attention can know awake awareness. Just as the eye cannot hear sounds, thinking and attention cannot know awake awareness. The one who is reading these words and trying to experience awake awareness cannot do so until you let go of the way of knowing that you use in other areas of life. Only awake awareness can know awake awareness. And I'm kind of smiling as I'm reading that because I know both sides of it. I've experienced exactly what you're saying, but then... You know, it always, it still often for me comes back to the other side of it. Like I want to know awake awareness, but I know I can't know awake awareness. So (laughs) I would love to just have you, uh, please go from wherever you would like with that and, and maybe, yeah, dive deeper into it for our listeners. Yes. So certainly I'll, I'll, uh, pick up from there and also recognize that within a short amount of time, I probably can't do as much as, I would like to make sure that I take take you or show you or point you to this, sure. but we'll we'll try something. Um, so just to say that um, that uh, as you say that uh, awake awareness is already here, uh, and the you the you that's constellated it can't understand it intellectually and can't remain intact and find it. So that's why I talk about. Uh, unhooking awareness from thought. Hmm. So, so, so awake awareness is already here, both uh, pervasively, infinitely, and locally. So, kind of like the ocean of awareness is everywhere, and we are rising as individual beings as a wave. And each thing that arises is a made of a thought is a wave, a person's a wave, and so that's not that you're. Uh, you lose it, or you could say another metaphor would be: it's as if our we're living in the head, our head like a storm cloud, mm. and being in the storm cloud, uh, we're trying to clean up the storm cloud, make it look better, fix the thoughts, have better uh, experience of of the weather. Uh, but what we can do is we can actually have awareness step out of the cloud into the sky. And when awareness either drops down or opens up, goes above, behind, uh, what happens is that awareness that's able to unhook from thought can recognize itself as the sky. Hmm. And as the sky of awareness, first that awareness is an experience. It's like, oh, I'm aware of the sky and I'm free of the cloud but then this, the awareness realizes that, oh, I'm the sky looking back at the cloud. And then the third movement is, oh, wait a minute, I'm the sky that's inherent within the cloud. I was always the sky in the cloud. And so I'm the sky and the cloud. Mm. So then, so that feeling, so, so let's try a little, a little movement of awareness. Um, We'll try a couple of different ones. So, so one very simple one would be whether you're listening or watching. Um, 
just feel like all your senses are on and your awareness tends to be located in your eyes and in your um, head kind of identified with thinking. You're probably trying to understand what I'm saying, what's he saying, what am I going to do? So just feel like awareness is identified with thought and almost as if without even knowing how you would ever do it, just feel like awareness can step back, take a half step back, and then awareness can know your face from within, and awareness can know your throat from within, and awareness can drop and know your upper body directly from within. So without looking down from thought and without looking up to thought, feel as if you dropped from head to heart. So unhook, step back, and then know directly dropping from head to heart. So you're in your heart mind or your heart space. And just feel that shift of location. So you're not orienting to thought or by thought, but you're alert. You're in your senses, aware. Just see what that's like, what you notice. And just without going down to sleep and up to thought, just remain at home in your heart. Yeah. Wow. So. <laughs> Sorry. Got, yeah. Got yeah. How was there. that? <laughs> yeah. That's a very, that's one of many powerful uh, exercises you share in the book. And yeah. I, I really appreciate that. Um, and, and does uh, the next thing I was going to ask you about, and I feel like you started to even talk about it a little is local awareness. Yes. Um, you know, mm-hmm. and as how that's the expression of awake awareness. Yes. And it can unhook from thinking and know itself. Yes. So yes. if you could talk a little bit about local awareness and unhooking, yes. and then from there I'll, yeah. I'll lead into local awareness and attention, but let's start with local yeah. awareness first, if you could. Yeah. So in some ways we did a little, uh, little experiment there. Right. Uh, hopefully some people, you know, were able to feel that there was something that it, when we use attention, it's as if we're still located in our mind and we're looking at our breath in our body. Yeah. But in that experience, when awareness can unhook from thinking or from our heads and it can know directly from within, um, that's the feeling of local awareness. And local awareness is not something other than awake awareness. It's just a dimension of it that can focus because if we didn't have that we would just be in kind of a oneness or a transcendent, uh, pure awareness, infinite, that had no r- relation to what we're doing or how we're functioning. Right. Uh, so local awareness is kind of that uh, conduit or the local expression or appearance or the wave of awareness. Um, so... Again, it's 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 uh, when you when you discover you're looking from awareness, you realize that when you focus, you're using 
you're still connected to everything. So let's try another little one here. So, sure. so again, just feel like you're in your normal state. Your eyes can be open or closed. It, it's all the same. Eventually, um, my practices are focused on being able to do small glimpses many times during mm. the day with your eyes open. Because this is uh, pointing toward off the cushion, uh, living from uh, your awakened being in the midst of your life. Mm -hmm. So that if that's the goal, then we have to kind of find a way to kind of fine tune or return home uh, in the midst of the day rather than waiting till the end of the day to sit on a cushion or, mm -hmm. uh, or find a peaceful place. So I do this in you know, the middle of the New York City subways. Right. Beautiful. <laughs> with, my, with my eyes open. And, you know, it works works perfect. It takes a few minutes and changes everything. So, yeah, go ahead. Oh, no, I was going to say, I yeah. love that you say that because that's something that's very important to me and I write often yeah. about is that our spiritual lives are not just happening when we formally sit on the yes. meditation cushion or are at yoga class. And because a lot of people tend to compartmentalize their spiritual life, at least early on. And it's something I like to remind people that it's happening all day long. So yes. practices like you share yes. where you can bring them into everyday life are of paramount importance. So yes, I thank yeah. you for, uh, for sharing that. Yeah. And uh, you know, I still enjoy sitting, uh, of course, you know, yeah. as well so it's not like either right. or right, right. It, both yeah. yeah yeah so that that's important to say because sometimes like well which one are you doing you know it's like right. well every all everything as much as you like you yes know? yeah <laughs> don't have to feel feel exclusive and you don't have to feel like oh this style versus that style because this is the big thing about our you know contemporary culture we have to kind of embrace that everyone's unique and that people yes. have different ways of learning yeah. and this is a particular principle or way of approaching this that has even within this kind of looking method or inquiry method, there's many doorways. So I'll use the, you know, that unhooking and dropping into the body. And some people, you know, a third of the people in the room say, Oh, I love that. That worked perfectly. And the another third will say, I didn't quite get that. And then we do this next one. And the other, another third will go like, that's it. That was so much easier. Right. Why didn't we do that at first? Right. So, well, because that's another, another way to do the same thing. And, each person is unique. So this one, we're going to, again, just eyes open or closed. Just allow yourself to feel um, like, again, you're, you get to feel that you're kind of, there's a little mini me looking out of your eyes. That thought, you're kind of referring to thought and looking to thought and awareness is referencing there and it's referencing sight and thought. And what we're going to do is just unhook awareness and have it come to hearing at either one of your ears or both of yours. So just unhook awareness and have it come right to that point of sensation and vibration, that area of neither focused on what you're hearing or on who's hearing. So neither hearer nor heard, just hearing and feeling that vibration, sensation, And now you can, you know, you, if at some point, if you want to pause this, you could take more time, right. <laughs> you know, to just stay with this. You know, if you want to pause this, just stay with that first part, unhook, come to hearing, notice that awareness is able to focus in one small area 
that's non-thought-based. Now, just as awareness can come into a small area, see what it's like if awareness unhooks from hearing and opens to the space in which sound is coming and going. So it's like it becomes interested in the sound moving through space and then becomes interested in the space itself. Boundless, contentless. Open, aware space. And just as you notice that you can open and discover that you're aware of space, see whether you can actually open until you either get to the wall and turn around or let this local awareness discover there's already a field of awareness that it's already aware back and including your body thoughts and sensations. So just asking yourself, am I aware of spacious awareness or is am I aware from spacious awareness back to observe thoughts, feelings, and sensations both outside and within? And as you feel that spacious awareness, remain open and include your body. You can kind of feel a relief and feel like a dropping or inclusiveness or an embodiment or a presence that both has a foundation of openness and yet a way of feeling embodied from within that's not a mental experience. So you can feel that what was happening was local awareness is unhooking from thought, then it's opening to spacious awareness, then spacious awareness is now focused back, and now anything from here out is local awareness now focusing on you or on whatever object or person you're looking at, and that's a little taste of that. <laughs> that's great. And and that's a, this is just another reason why I would really recommend to anyone interested in, in this to, to getting the audio, because you do such a wonderful job in that where you don't have to rush through it. I know we're in a yeah. condensed amount of time. Yes. <laughs> and that's what I really appreciate about that is I was actually on a very long bus ride, a 12-hour bus ride oh, wow. um, Yeah, a few weeks ago, and I was listening to it, and it, it was just perfect, you know, perfect yeah. uh and I could do it there with my eyes open and, and practice what you're teaching and just a wonderful tool to have. So, right. yeah. So, so <laughs> while we're, before we get yeah. off of local awareness, <laughs> something that I found really important to know, and, and you seem to note that it's also very important as well, yes. is the difference between local awareness and attention yes. and that there is a, a, a difference. So. I wanted to read another brief excerpt okay. from the book Great. about that. And then you offer a couple of short exercises. So maybe we can explore those okay. or we'll just, we'll take it from, from there. So Great. this one's titled local awareness is different from attention. And you write, it's very important to recognize that attention is not the same as local awareness. Attention, according to the Merriam-Webster dictionary is the act or state of applying the mind to something. Attention is the way we focus when located in our everyday mind. Applying the mind is the experience of being a subject located in your head, perceiving an object, even a part of your own body located elsewhere. 
According to pioneer psychologist William James, there is no such thing as voluntary attention sustained for more than a few seconds at a time. What is called sustained voluntary attention is a repetition of successive efforts which bring back the topic to the mind. Maintaining continuous attention is difficult because the everyday mind is not a stable entity. Everyday mind, which is trying to pay attention, is made of a flowing stream of thoughts and feelings that come and go. You can begin with the thought, pay attention to your left hand. Then you apply your mind to your hand. As soon as your attention goes to your left hand, your thinking mind wanders away. The mind based in thought... The mind based in thought that started the task has already changed during those few moments. You have to remind yourself, recreating a self in your mind. Then you have to give yourself the instruction again, pay attention to your hand. This all happens very quickly. When using attention to focus, we always lag one second behind direct experience. This means that knowing through attention is always a past experience, a reflection, a picture, a memory or an image of what just happened. Local awareness knows directly, without needing the mind to interpret, explain, or categorize. When we don't use thinking as our primary way of knowing, our everyday mind doesn't need to remind us to focus. One detour that some people experience when they're initially learning to unhook from thought is the stretching of attention. You can remain in your everyday mind and register sensations and emotions in your body below your neck by intense focusing from your mind. But this is not a true unhooking from everyday mind. In the last paragraph, I highlighted this because I found this so important. Just as attention is the focusing aspect of the mind, local awareness is the focusing aspect of awake awareness. Local awareness resembles attention in that it is capable of selectively focusing but local awareness is essentially different from attention. When paying attention, the mind is applied to an object, but local awareness knows directly from awake awareness, which is within your body. <clears throat> yeah. <laughs> so that's another one. It's like, okay, yep, I understand it, but oh, that's tough. <laughs> yeah. So that, that it's, a, it's interesting because you asked the question about local awareness, and the way I kind of discovered local awareness is or started to use the the term it's it's used in a lot of ways in a lot of tradition mm -hmm. i mean even in the zen tradition it says you know take the half step back right so so that's so i said well what is taking the half step back or in uh tibetan buddhism turn the mind to look at the mind well which which mind is looking at the mind because the, you've got the everyday mind or they call it sem yeah. and then uh, but Sem can't see Rigpa. The small mind can't see the source of mind. So it must be the source of mind that has to look at the mind. So then how do I get a feel for that? And and what happened was from, um, from residing and abiding for, you know, what was just a short period of time in awake awareness as the ground of being and open heart awareness, I realized, oh, well, now I'm moving attention around it. And I thought, no, I'm not moving attention. I'm actually knowing my hand directly from within my hand. Mm. I'm not looking from my moving mind. I'm looking from the source of mind and I'm feeling, you know, within my own body, certainly, um, 
and experience and I can focus in a small area and make that like a, a bigger area. And when you're residing, it's effortless focus because no, the mind isn't moving. Mm. So there's kind of this balanced, uh, effortless focus, which um, is one of the words I use, effortless mindfulness, which is a way to kind of build on, uh, <clears throat> you know, initial deliberate mindfulness. Sure. But if, if you, so if, if people could try this at home, it's, it's just to give you a feel of what it's like. It's not like a big uh, thing that you need to learn to do. But if, mm-hmm. if you just feel normal way of attention, just feel what is it like to bring your attention to your left hand? So just here I am, I'm, Someone just said, <laughs> suggested I try this experiment, bringing my attention to my left hand. All right, now I'm going to begin. Here I go. Bring my attention to the left hand. There's my hand. Okay, I'm doing it. I'm doing pretty good. So just feel what that's like. And so fairly quickly, you get a feeling of what the experience is and what is it like? What does it feel like when you do that? Do you have anything um, that you notice? I mean, most people report, okay, I feel like I'm located in my head and I'm looking down like I'm in a tower at this object called my left hand, which is a certain distance away. Or they may feel like there's a telephone wire going through their shoulder down to their hand and then sending a signal back. So, But there's definitely a location in the head and an object in the hand and there's a subject-object relationship and... Most people notice if you say, can you maintain that for three minutes? You know, it just takes, you know, a little while till they lose and go off and wander and come back. So the next uh, experiment might be uh, unhooking local awareness like we tried by dropping it into our body. So just unhooking local awareness from thought and have it. Feel your chin from within, feel your throat, and then have local awareness. Know your left shoulder directly from within, and then know your bicep and elbow directly from within your bicep, and then have awareness. Know your wrist and know your left hand directly from within your left hand. So the feeling is as if the knowing and the known is happening in the same place. You feel like your awareness is equally spread out through your whole body and your brain, which is connected through your spinal cord and your nerves, is now knowing your hand directly from within your hand. And just feel what that's like. And so that's a way that you're kind of knowing from your field of awareness. Um, And it's just a way to kind of you know, it's hard to, you know, people will be having different experiences of that. But right. one thing you notice is that the direct feeling of your body from within, you actually don't feel the fingers distinctly. What you feel is aliveness or energy in the general area and then space throughout. Mm. And that's actually how your body feels from within. If you if you do that with your whole body in kind of an inner body presence, what you feel is just kind of this effervescent, alive presence and but what you do is you feel very 
cat-like. You feel very limber and embodied, but it's not like you feel like strong and, you know, embodied, meaning, you know, tight and muscular. You feel actually loose and free. Yeah. I I actually, uh, I write a little bit about something similar to that in, okay. in my next book. I had first <clears throat> kind of heard that explained from Eckhart Tolle back in The okay. Power of Now, yeah. not verbatim what you said, yeah, yeah. but a similar idea. Yeah. And he starts out, you know, bring awareness to your fingertips and right. then to your hand, and then you slowly move it throughout your whole body. And I will never forget the first time I did that. Right. This is like over right. 10 years ago, but wow, you're feeling the aliveness in your body and you're starting to bridge that gap between form and formlessness. And yes, what a beautiful, profound experience it can be for people. And uh, so thank you for sharing that. I, I love sharing yeah. similar with, with people when I do various teachings. That's a really, I think, a very user-friendly, easy way to start accessing this material. Yes. So yeah. Beautiful. Yeah, Thank thanks. <laughs> so the last thing I want to share, we have about okay. a little over 10 minutes. First of all, I want to let li- listeners know what we've talked about so far yep. is yep. not even the tip of the iceberg of basically <laughs> the first half of this book. So right. I cannot recommend strongly enough. Please buy the book. Check out the audio. There is so much more in it. It's incredible. But, um, you know, I'm doing my best to cover a lot of material <laughs> you present us with. Yep. The last thing I wanted to address is suffering which you write about in relation to the process of awakening in relation to addiction and recovery. I wanted to read one last final excerpt. um, And then from there we can just close out with this topic. And, uh, and I feel it, it, it'll really resonate with a lot of listeners. So you write, what is the cause of suffering? According to Buddhism, suffering is created by ignorance, craving and aversion. There are two common ways to alleviate suffering. The first approach focuses on reducing craving and aversion. The second aims to clear up ignorance. Each begins with a different starting point. The first approach tries to decrease cravings that I feel attached to and reduce aversions to what I don't like. I can become attached to and identified with various roles, places, and things such as money, status, or objects of desire as mine. I try to decrease or renounce desire and aversion while increasing loving kindness, acceptance, and compassion. Or I try to transform the disturbing emotions that accompany craving and aversion. These types of practices can lead to temporary relief of suffering. They can also end up supporting a less stressed but still separate sense of self. The second approach goes right to the root of suffering, the creation of a sufferer. Rather than focusing on what I am attached to or repelled by, this approach goes directly to the source of identification that creates an I in the first place. Ultimately, the cause of suffering is always ignorance. Here, however, ignorance does not mean lack of information or knowledge. What are we ignorant about? In Tibetan, the word for ignorance is ma rigpa, which simply means not recognizing rigpa, or awake awareness. When Awareness does not recognize itself, but identifies instead as a thinker, the small separate I forms. Immediately, the separate I has insatiable desires and aversions, and, because it is made of thought, nothing can satisfy or threaten it. Desires and aversions can be understood as symptoms we can resolve merely by shifting our identity into awake awareness as our ground of being. Ultimately, there is nothing to reject or transform. 
During meditation, five hindrances are named as obstacles to peaceful abiding and can hinder your ability to be mindful. From the second approach, the five hindrances, craving, aversion, apathy, worry, and doubt, are simply signs that you're looking and feeling from everyday mind. The doubt, I am not going to get this, is correct on one level because the I of the everyday mind cannot know awake awareness. Rather than trying to counteract these hindrances, simply recognize them as a sign you're caught and shift into awake awareness, which by its nature is never identified with these hindrances. Beautiful. I really appreciate that. <laughs> Easier said than yeah. done, but it's yes, doable. Yes. So yes. can you talk a little yeah, can yeah. you talk a little more about that? Yeah, so that, that gets to the root of addiction and it, it is a different approach to um alleviating suffering, which is what you know I'm which I found helpful because I was trying to control or manage, you know, suffering and trying not to be so uh, you know, so attached to something and trying to be more kind, but then I would try to be very kind. And then I was so kind that all of a sudden I said, Hey, what about me? Another part of me would be like, you know, why don't people are kind to me? I'm always the one that's kind. So it's almost as if your mind creates opposites all the time. You can only do so much on the level of, uh, trying to, uh, manage or create or imitate, uh, qualities, uh, of awakening. So, uh, I mean, it's similar to kind of 12-step uh, language is that you find something greater than yourself and you turn your life and will over to the care of that. Mm -hmm. But it's not a that. In this case, it's it's the foundation of you. And then you find the conscious contact mm -hmm. uh, with that. And that's the solution rather than willful attempt to um, control an external addiction. So th that's even in terms of dealing with you know, very real uh, physiological craving. Mm. Uh, you you know that it's it's a similar approach in that way, and that says you know let's not try to worry about the you know working with your personality around this. Let's shift into something bigger that's already aware and supportive, and then from that foundation, uh, then come back and work with and clean up your tendencies, personality, uh, emotions. Uh, but you're doing it from a different foundation of identity. Mm, yeah, That's, and it's a profound, simple shift, but a profound, you know, different way of looking at it. And yes, no. one, one, like I said, e easier said than done at times, but it's totally yes. doable. And it's uh, it's just like anything else. It takes some practice yes. and it That's takes right. attention and it yeah. takes what I've what I've learned is to be gentle with yourself in the process, you yes. know, because it's not an easy process. So, that's right. um, well, thank you for sharing that. Yes. And, and as I mentioned, like I said, we barely began to really even get into the depth of this book. So we have a couple of minutes. Is there something out of the book that I didn't cover that you'd like to share with the listeners, any of the topics you discuss or anything in general? Yeah, I, th I think just just like to finish what we were saying, it's it's almost that the book is offering similar to the last reading and what you were saying is that, you know, nothing is, you know, automatic. This isn't instant enlightenment or uh, that it, it requires, you know, some dedication and willingness and interest. But that, you know, what I'm hoping to offer is a different approach. Mm -hmm. It's just since we're going to be spending our time uh, doing something, uh, this is an offering of the direct approach, which 
immediately in some way skips over the preliminary practices and takes you to a place that's already calm and focused. And so you get the effects of the preliminary practices of mindfulness from kind of the next stage of mindfulness, which is already here. And by doing that, you, you've already um, given yourself the opportunity to discover that who you are is already okay. That there's kind of a shame-free uh, sense of healing that happens. That you don't feel like you're something's wrong with you. That that's the shift of identity. This sense of you know people just say, you know, I'm okay. Um, uh, you know, it's a freedom from this mistaken identity uh, that I somehow have to earn something or become something, even in terms of awakening. Mm. And and the kind of initial awakening is uh, there's some level that I'm already okay. I've always been okay. Everyone's okay. And we also have ignorance and delusion that we can clear up from this foundation, um, which we can return to in small glimpses. Beautiful. Well, yeah. I'll say it for the last time. I cannot <laughs> encourage listeners enough to buy this book. Uh, it's okay. called Shift Into Freedom, The Science and Practice of Open-Hearted Awareness. You can learn more about Locke Kelly and his events at LockKelly.org. The link also to his website and to purchase the book are uh, available on our MindPod Network website. So you can just find the link there. If you don't feel like typing it in, click on it and it'll take you right there. Locke, are there any events you have coming up that you'd like to share with listeners? This is going to air on Monday. So anything after this yes. coming Monday? Yeah, certainly. Um, I mean, there's depends on where people live. Sure. Uh, there's a bunch of stuff in New York. Um, but the two things online are one is that I have a four week online retreat at Tricycle Magazine. Oh, awesome. That started just this uh, Monday. Okay. So it'll go each week, but you can go and um, look at it uh, at your leisure. Cool. And so it's just, archived. Yeah, it's archived. Yeah. Great. So cool. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, thank you so much, Locke, for so your welcome. time. It was a uh, real pleasure. Um, yeah. And I look forward to having you on the show again at a later date when we can maybe jump back into some more of this material because there's no shortage of it. That is for sure. Thank you so much for having me. It's an honor and uh, really, really love your spirit. Ah, thank you so much. Okay. All right, Chris. Hi. Okay, great. So great. Sorry, I I did my best. That that was a, a real no, foggy, was but as long as it was coherent and okay with you. Yeah, I uh, thought it was great. Okay, good. Yeah, Just, you really picked out. I mean, I think that's, I think people appreciate having some things read read to them. Right. I've when I when people have me on podcasts yeah. and some do read from my book, some don't. I like when they do that, so that's why I try to do that with yes. authors. So I'm glad that was cool with you. And yeah, um, yeah. Like I said, I just tried to pick the material I thought would give them a, a good beginning overview of the book. So like yeah. I said, another time down the road, I'd be happy to have you back on. We can jump back into the second half. and Yeah, know, it, it, it's funny. Those last two pieces you chose, the one about um, ignorance and suffering and, mm-hmm. the, and then the other one about uh, attention, that b- my, my main editor <laughs> was like, don't put those in. Those are w- really confusing. Really? <laughs> And I'm like, no, 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 that, that's everything else is leading up to those two things. Right. Well, I'm that's glad. That's the key. Yeah. You know, they really, that. yeah, they really spoke to me. I'm glad that I, I'm glad yeah. you kept them in. Did yeah, you yeah. work, 
Which editor did you work with? With Amy Ross. Oh, okay, Amy. I worked with Alice, uh, a different one, Alice and Jennifer, but... okay. Great experience, and uh, yeah. and congrats to you on the book. Thank you. Uh, tremendous, and the, and the audio too is really you put a you know mention the when you put up it'll the link, be linked. Yeah, say that say that it's the audio because I I th- I really think really like seventy percent of people will get more out of the audio, and the the book is for some for people like us who are like real, you know, looking for the real almost like a textbook. Right. You know, yes. You can read chapters like uh, each chapter is almost stands on its own. Yeah. You know? Absolutely. Yeah. Tremendous job. And right. thank you for that offering to the world. Hey, and many yes. others, I'm sure appreciate thank it. Thank you. I look forward to, to meeting you. When you're in New York, uh, let me know. I will. We'll... I will. Yeah, yeah, I don't have anything booked at the moment, okay. but uh, I'm all around New England. My book okay. comes out October 1st. So I'll, oh, I'll let you know. I'm sure it'd be wonderful to meet you in person. Okay, Chris. All right. Take care, Locke. Feel better. Thank you very much. And I'll send okay. you the link also. Once this is okay. up, I'll send it over. Thank you so much. Take Bye. care. Thank you. Okay. See you. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Time can feel like it's in short supply. Between work, family, and friends, there's very little time left just for you. What would you do with an extra hour in your day? What's important to you? Therapy can help you find what matters to you so that you can do more of it. It's a great way to increase self-awareness, build a greater sense of purpose, deal with overthinking, and more. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online and designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Be Here Now today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Be Here Now.